Welcome to Peak Mind. I'm your host, Michael Trainer, and I'm extremely excited for today's episode. Today, I want to talk about regulating your nervous system. Another way to put it is finding and holding center. For me, and I imagine for many of you, uh, we are in a very dysregulating environment. Lots of people tugging on our attention. Energetics that come from the phone or noisy signals all around us. If you live in a city, you're besieged by noise. From cars honking to the phone ringing. And the agendas of all those around you circling in your energetic field. And as a deeply feeling human... I've practiced various things to help maintain that balance, some healthy and some unhealthy at different periods in my life. Uh, I remember when I lived in New York City, which also happened to be a place that celebrates drinking, that I would at times use an evening beverage to assuage my anxiety or to bring about a sense of calm. But what I realize now is that was not regulating my nervous system. In fact, it led to poor quality sleep and a vicious cycle that made it far easier for my nervous system to be disrupted. Uh, But I have now found a variety of tools and techniques that I find to be extraordinarily helpful that are easily accessible for anyone listening that have been profound, profoundly simple in many regards, but profound in bringing me to a place of coming back to center. In other words, my ability to find signal in the noise. Um, I call it resonance. And so what I want to share with you guys are some of the tools, and I'll, I'll be sharing more in the coming weeks, that I've been using of late to, to really get at the heart of the matter, to do the deep work that I think we all need to do to become the best versions of ourselves. For me, that currently looks like doing some incredibly deep somatic therapy where I'm uncovering the things that I don't want to look at, some of the biggest traumas uh, from life. Uh, I'm, I'm reading right now Oprah's What Happened to Me and The Body Keeps Score and confronting and facing the things that I do not want to confront and face. And in that process, which I think is a deep and necessary process, because I think many of us are encouraged to spiritually bypass, to do various things to sort of, you know, prevent the anxiety, but in a way treat the symptom, but not getting at the root cause of the issue. And until we actually confront the root cause of of our our issues, our concerns, um, we can't actually turn that trauma or the shit in our lives, for lack of a better term, into the compost for new growth. We just find circumstances in our lives continue to manifest that remind us of that trigger because we haven't actually done the deep work to transcend it. And so for me right now, I'm doing the deep work to be able to confront those challenges. But just like doing any training, right? Like Yes, when you go to the gym, it's good to lift heavy weights, but not so much that you injure yourself, right? You draw, you draw in the stress, 
you you push yourself, but then you need to rest for those muscles to be able to build. And in that same way, I think psychologically, it's great to do the deep work, to do the confronting work, but we have to have the ability to return to center and to regulate our nervous system. And so for me, there's a, a few things that I've been doing. I'll share some of the more advanced sort of tools and techniques as well, but I wanted to start with some of the simple things that I'm doing that are accessible to everyone that have had unequivocal benefit for me in finding and returning to center. The first is a morning walk. And there's a, a variety of reasons why I walk in the morning. Um, one of my great heroes, Nelson Mandela, who I think took on many of the world's great challenges and showed profound resilience and perseverance through tremendous trauma in a way that liberated not only himself, but so many millions around, around him, was he was a, a frequent walker. And while it seems simple, I feel like the combination of being surrounded by nature and the different environments. I like to walk generally in nature, by the beach, in the park, um, sometimes just in the neighborhood, but noticing the trees, looking up, noticing the flowers. There's something about that both stimuli of the world around you, but also the fact that we are moving, which is one of the best ways, I think, to regulate emotion, that creates a magical combination. And it's antithetical to many of the ways in which we ingest noise, which is sitting in our chair, right? They say, they say sitting is the new smoking. And now one in three people identifies themselves as lonely. And that loneliness also has the equivalency of smoking 15 cigarettes based on some new research that I've just read. And so walking gets us one out in the world, two oftentimes at least seeing, acknowledging strangers, maybe as I did today, you know, you connect with a few neighbors and pet their dog. It, it, it puts you out in the world and it puts you out in the world in a safe way. One of the things that I, I've realized as it relates to trauma is when working with children with trauma, as I'm learning in this What Happened to Me book, is they need to have frequent interactions with, with strangers or new circumstances, new circumstances such that they know that they are safe. And that takes multiple interactions. The other beautiful thing I think about walking is we are shown the safety of our neighborhood, our environment, by continuing to go out in it, not only connecting to people, which is another great way to regulate the nervous system, connecting with healthy people, connecting with healthy strangers, but we're also connecting with nature. And so my first uh, great tool and tip is to start a morning walking practice. The other benefit is, based on Andrew Huberman's research, that when you go out first thing in the morning, you're establishing your circadian rhythm. You're establishing your, your cycle of the day. And this enables your brain to sort of turn on. And then I've been much more rigorous as we get into the evening hours to minimize my blue light. Or if I am taking in blue light, and this would be my second tip, I'm using uh, red light blue blocking glasses. And the lack of blue light stimuli enables my nervous system to start to rest. I'm also using candles in my environment. I'm, I'm making the choice to turn off the lights and start to establish almost a ritual or routine to down-regulating my nervous system, to signaling to my body that it's time to prepare for sleep. And I treat my sleep space as if it's sacred. 
I think basically your sleep space should be just for sex and for sleep. You know, don't do a lot of stimulating activities. Move into a, in, in a way when you when you enter that space, it's your sacred den for down-regulating your nervous system. And for me, this has been a revelation. I also use a red light device. You can do that very inexpensively as well. Uh, you can literally buy a red light light bulb or a Himalayan salt lamp. Uh, you can use candles. Uh, I recommend non-toxic candles, and I also recommend blowing them out not next to your bed so you don't get the, the, the smoke, the fumes. But in essence, there's lots of things you can do to use a natural light. And I also use an aura ring to actually track my sleep. So what I'm noticing is that I'm getting far deeper quality sleep as a result of these very simple tweaks, um, which one and two is walking early in the morning. Ideally, if you can, watch the sunrise or just get early morning light. It also happens to be when the UV light is is at its le kind of less intense kind of spectrum. So I use the weather app. I, I choose not to use sunscreen when I go out first thing in the morning. If I go out and the UV is above two on the, on the scale, I'll use sunscreen. But otherwise, early morning and evening, it's another time in which I can get vitamin D, which I found to be hu hugely helpful. And then in the evening, I'll make an effort to go watch the sunset. And I'm using my blue light, black and glasses. I'm using red light, candlelight, and that sort of sacred nighttime ritual and routine to establish a sleep cycle. And more and more research is showing how central quality sleep is for overall benefits for the brain in terms of brain health, cognition, sharp thinking. It's deep sleep that is the time where your, your, your brain ostensibly takes out the trash. And so much processing goes on. And we're actually, I think, in many ways, still very early in the frontier of brain science as it relates to sleep. But suffice it to say, you want to get high quality, deep sleep. And that has corollaries on every aspect of your life. It's also the reason why, for number three, I decided to stop drinking. So this is a very personal choice. I'm not coming at this from any moralistic standpoint. I just honestly, when I started measuring my sleep, saw how crappy alcohol was for my sleep. Like my HRV score went absolutely in the tank. And I did kind of a cost-benefit analysis. And for me, the, the cost far outweighed the benefit. I, I, I thought that I would have, you know, like I, it would affect my social interactions. It has not. I still have as much fun, if not more fun. Uh, I, I did it first for a year and a half as an experiment uh, during the pandemic. And I'm so grateful that I did. I can do a whole episode around this if you guys are interested. If so, comment below about the benefits that I saw. But suffice it to say for this conversation, minimizing and for me at the moment, eliminating alcohol entirely from my consideration has massively improved my overall stability and the degree to which I, I find and hold center, my ability to come back to center because I don't have the ad effectness of poor quality sleep, the emotional aspects that, I've, that I found came from me the next day if I was hungover in terms of like just being ad effect emotionally, the depression, you know, the, the days it would take, the, the bad food choices I would make because I was just like wanted to crush a burger or some pizza or whatever, you know, so... It's the one decision that has had so many downstream positive uh, effects. 
And so I would also got, encourage you guys to think about your relationship with alcohol and think about ways in which you could potentially uh, minimize uh, some of your consumption or potentially eliminate it for a period of time to see how it benefits your life. So that would be number three. The other thing that I've been doing, which I'm, I'm sure you've heard about uh, and many of you practice, but the other is, is being consistent in my meditation practice. And for me, it's a 10-minute non-negotiable. I like to do it now at the end of my walk. I'm currently in Venice, so I'll do it at the beach, but I've meditated everywhere. Uh, it doesn't have to be uh, you know, at the beach, although I think it is nice to do so in nature and listen to the waves. But that, that simple act of a conscious reset, and whatever your meditation practice is, I've done Vipassana, I've done Vedic, I've done, I run my energy, I have a core intention that I'll say after my meditation, which also sets me up uh, for the day. But that tapping into an intentional space for calming and stepping into more of that parasympathetic nervous system, getting more into like the deeper waves of the brain, um, which meditation affords, is profound for training your brain and also giving yourself space between that visceral reaction of a trigger and your response. It just gives you a little bit more spaciousness as it relates to triggers and your responsiveness, your mindfulness in the face of adversities, in the face of opportunities, in the face of triggers. It's one of the most profound tools that you can practice. So I would encourage you, even if it's 10 minutes a day, perhaps it's part of your morning practice, maybe you do it before bed, but taking 10 minutes for mindfulness, I use Insight Timer, which I think is a free app on the phone. You don't have to use any timer, but it's free, it's accessible to all, it's been used for thousands of years, and it is a game changer. And, and then fifth, which I'll, I'll stop here for today and I'll go deeper on this um, with, other, with other tools and techniques in the, in the near future, but fifth and perhaps most powerful for me in regulating my nervous system and finding center and, and, and separating signal from noise is time in nature. And I surround myself with nature. I literally have made a practice of buying myself flowers, which I keep on my desk. I am surrounded by plants. I literally have eight palm trees in my place, plants everywhere. Um, there's obviously biological and physiological benefits in terms of the reciprocity with oxygen and the ways in which obviously natural life sustains our lives. But I also make a practice uh, on Sundays, for example, to do my Sunday service where I'll go off and I'll, and I'll do a hike, oftentimes solo. Um, and it's my kind of sacred ritual, a time in which I can just be alone with myself to process that previous week, to think about the week ahead. I'll oftentimes listen my practices to an audiobook, something that I find both stimulating but relaxing. On my way up the hill, I often do a, a hill hike. Uh, I'm also practicing, which is, I guess, another another one that I'll, I'll throw in there, but rucking. Uh, I read Dr. Peter Atiyah's Outlive, which is a phenomenal book, and also Michael Easter's The Comfort Crisis, another phenomenal book, and both recommended rucking, which is basically the simple act of carrying weight. You can literally put a backpack on and just fill it up. It doesn't need to cost anything. Uh, I did buy ruck plates, but you don't need to, and that 
is massively beneficial for a variety of reasons. But in essence, going out in nature, it, it turns for me into a workout. And then on the way down, I make a conscious effort to listen, to pause, to listen to the birds, to stop and smell the flowers, to give thanks and appreciate the, the rivers, the, the, the sacred waters, the, the, the plants, the trees. I remember when I had the honor of hosting His Holiness the Dalai Lama for his 80th birthday, uh, I consciously chose an outdoor venue and probably the most, one of the most powerful moments. I mean, I cried the moment I met him and the moment he left. His presence was so profound. But one of the things I noticed was he stopped before entering the stage at a palm tree and he literally took a moment to appreciate this palm. And one of the things I noticed about his presence, his beingness, was the degree to which he honored, acknowledged all those around him. And not just humans. You know, he talked about the animals, he talked about the plants, but especially the way he interacted with that plant and the way that I saw him interact with the people around him. You know, thinking about the stressors he's encountered in life, and yet his his centeredness, his way of being, and the way that he interacts and moves through the world in being available and loving and, and so quick to laugh with the people around him. And that's what I want for all of you. I, I want for my for myself and I want it for, for everyone listening that we find that center and that song that is unique to us from that place of resonance and that we surround ourselves with the tools, the practices, the ability to come back home, that, that, that sacred place within, and use whatever tools you need to be successful in returning to that sense of home, that place of center, so that we can go out in the world and, and let our cup overflow, to be in that place of giving, to be in that place of being, to be an inspiration for those around you, to show up fully to your friends, if you happen to have children, to your family. Um, may we all have that gift of grace and may it come from a deep sense of presence. So I hope it's of service to you guys. I so appreciate you listening. And as always, feel free to leave comments, to, to share. I always love when you share. If there's someone you think would benefit, please feel free to share this with them. And until next time, I'm sending you guys so much love.